David Tong, the founder and principal of BEI Advisors. We are a nonprofit organization dedicated to personal empowerment. We're delighted to have Heather McCory on our show today. Heather is a respected leader in the hospitality industry and a recipient of several prestigious awards recognizing efforts in helping women advance their career. Thank you, Heather, for being on the show today. Now, Heather, you've worked yourself up the ladder at CP Hotels, FRHI, and Accor to rise to your present role as CEO of Accor Hotels, North and Central America. Can you share with us your journey and comment on how you look for opportunities to improve your skill set and prepare yourself for broader opportunities? Okay, first of all, thank you. I'm thrilled to be here today. I think it's a great opportunity to talk about women and advancement DEI initiatives. So great. Thank you very much for that. But in terms of my career, I have spent about, it's pretty much 50-50, not exactly, but close to that in sales and marketing and operations. And it's almost been 40 years, which actually, because I started when I was 12, but the it's been a long haul. And really came up through the ranks in all of the various different positions. Started in the laundry at the Bant Springs Hotel many moons ago. And then gradually just moved up through sales and marketing, everything from a sales coordinator to a director of sales and marketing to a regional director of sales and marketing to a vice president. Then went back actually and decided that it was time to finish my education, which I stopped halfway through back in the early days and went and did an MBA, which was a bit of a pinnacle time churning point for me. And then after that, decided to take a complete right turn in my career as far as the hospitality industry goes and went from sales and marketing to operations and went over to be the regional vice president and general manager for five of our properties up in Canada. Did that for about six years and then came back into corporate office again as the SVP, then VP. Then it was we were purchased by Core about five years ago. And then became EVP and then CEO for the last three years. So all very progressive positions and all. I'm a fundamental believer that you have to do things for two or three years. First year, you learn what you're doing. Second year, you make an impact. And third year, it's okay. What can you really do to really move it forward? And and my career has been pretty much that way in terms of all the various positions. The to answer the second part of your question, David, the I do believe that the education was a significant part of the shift, which I mentioned already, and just generally learning as much as you possibly can in every role that you have. A big, I'm a big believer in a very simple thing on why do you have to do this? Why do you have to do that? And really understanding our industry is full of excuse me, of policies and procedures, but understanding why they're in place and what I think has probably been my biggest positive in my career because it's allowed me to understand broader areas. That and not being afraid to take risks and going to uncharted territories. So those in my mind are the major things that kind of prepared me for the future, those three pieces. That's quite a journey. I'm sure it was challenging yet gratifying in sales and marketing, and yet you saw it fit to go and pursue your MBA, which mm-hmm. really brought the horizon, no doubt. And yes. then you took a lateral step and went into operations, which prepared you for even broader roles. That's really laudable. Yeah, Fantastic. that's interesting. And, and like you said, I also agree with you that sometimes along the way, you have to take risks and you have to try to broaden your horizon that way. Absolutely. But no doubt, in spite of your spectacular success, you face challenges and obstacles in your career. Mm -hmm. Can you share with us how you prevailed and any lessons that you've learned? Yes. So 
I've heard this many times in my career, but I'm a very focused individual. I don't know that I spent a lot of time thinking about the challenges and obstacles as much as driving through them. It's a paradox that way, because there certainly were hurdles. I remember vividly, and my first time I was a director of sales and marketing, and I've moved from one hotel to from a resort to a city center. And I remember three gentlemen who were in sales who put their arms around each other and said, do you know, Heather, that we've been in sales longer than you've been alive? And all of that sort of thing. And so those were all in my mind. Okay, here we go. And so it's always been a positive to push me further. And so I really am not the type of person to dwell too much on the actual obstacle. But how do you get around it? How do you focus and get past that and win them over in in that particular experience? And I really find that um, listening to people and understanding and really listening, understanding what their issues are and what their concerns are, it really eliminates a lot of challenges and obstacles because in my mind, over the years, it's misunderstandings that cause the biggest issue. And so if you can work your way through that, I have found it's the best thing, but easy to say, but obviously what I was talking about earlier about taking risks, getting, making sure that you have continual learning, whatever it may be. Not everyone has the opportunity to go back for an MBA, but everybody has the opportunity to learn every day. So keep your mind open to that. And to me, that's how you deal with challenges and obstacles and just keep pushing through. Never, I'm a big believer and never give up. If there's a will, there's a way. So that's my thinking. That's my mindset too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I like what you said at the very beginning that you don't look at them as obstacles. It's top of the course. That kind of positive mental attitude is tremendous uh, and no doubt contributed to your success. And I also think that you listen because we all have to understand the problem before we can solve it. And trying to understand the problem thoroughly by listening is, is also very sage advice. Talking about advice, if you were to give your younger self a piece of advice, what would that be? Interesting enough, contrary to what I've just said, I would probably say the thing I would give myself advice on would be to slow down and to enjoy the journey a bit more. I was oftentimes in my career charging forward. I wouldn't say I was so much ambitious as much as just interested in moving forward. And maybe that transitioned into ambition. But at the end of it all, years went by there for a period of time where it was just it went very quickly. And I just, if I could go back and change that or give myself different advice, it would just be slow it down, enjoy what you're going through at that particular moment, and then continue on. Not to say I would, uh, not, I don't know that I would change anything, but that would be it. Uh, because sometimes when we are too focused, uh, which is a good thing, don't take time to smell the roses along the way. And like you That's said, right. slow down. I yeah. like that very much. Thank you for saying that. Yes. Okay, I know you've done some research at a core <clears throat> to, <clears throat> to try mm-hmm. to understand why women are not able to move ahead. And there were a number of challenges that you identified. But one of them was about work-life balance. Can you elaborate on that? And it was interesting because when we did the research and we did, it was about 400 people, so not vast amounts, but a good crowd of people to get some real feel understanding. It was current employees, it was male and female, and it was also past people who worked for the company had left and people who were currently working for the company. And so this whole idea of work-life balance, well, frankly, it comes up always. It's one, I would say, if it's not the number one reason, mobility being the number one, work-life balance probably fights for number one. And why women always believe that they are not in a position to actually move up through the workforce. Now, I would say two things about this. One, it's real. 
there's no two ways around it. It's a fight constantly to try and find that work-life balance. And I have found in my career, and we have talked to many women through this process, that it it peaks and valleys, right? There's no balance is an inaccurate word, probably, as much as there's times when you don't have the balance and there's other times when you have more room for balance. But the biggest thing in my mind is what you're comfortable with. And so what one person, one woman, one man, for that matter, is comfortable with is actually very different from what another person is. It's almost a, a call it an urban myth. And it's so individual to each individual person that they have to understand what works for them. So someone with two young children, it's very different than a single lady who's got different career ambitions. But everybody can do it if they can find their way. And so whether it's a supportive husband, whether it's a, having a mother or father involved, whatever it might be, there's always a way to find work-life balance if that's something that you're interested in. I'd also say, I think the pandemic helped because it found ways and built confidence that you can actually, you don't have to be in the office 24-7 in order to do your job, that you can find ways to find balance inside your home and in the office. And so I think that's actually been a leap forward for women, but it's always going to be there. I never try and pretend that work-life balance, and I really do believe this, whether you're male or female, is something in our industry, it's a 24-7 industry, it's hard to find, but you just have to find what you're comfortable with. But general managers, vice presidents, directors of ops, many women make it work, and they just have to figure out how they can make it work for them. So I don't see it as an obstacle as much as the obstacle is figuring out how to make it work. I like what you said that it's different, just depends on the individual. But having said that, frequently, I think it's rather unfair that women end up holding down the floor at home. They're expected to take care of the children when they're sick. And they, they're expected to do laundry and cook and do everything right. at home and still hold down a, a job and build a career. That's really a tough challenge. My daughter is 40 years old and she has three young children. And oftentimes she feel like She's shortchanging them because she's so busy at work and she's trying to make things work and she's not able to spend as much time with them as she would like to. And therefore she feels guilty. What advice would you have for her? It's And we have quite a few women who have that exact same situation. And I don't have children, so it's difficult for me to completely comment, but our COO has two ch- children, young boys. And she goes through that same thing. It's can't do it all, unfortunately. And so Sarah is her name, Sarah Glenn. And I often talk about it on how to manage it. And so I think there's a couple of things. I think you definitely have to have a person who you work for needs to be very supportive of that. And I think that's incredibly important. So in my personal situation with Sarah, it's like she needs to go to mother, father day at school, off you go. If she needs to leave early because she has to pick whatever, do whatever. Children have to go to the doctor, dentist, whatever it might be. So you have to have that flexibility. And I think in our workforce today, we just have to make that happen. And then on t- now it's different in a hotel because it's a bit more tricky front, but I still believe it's manageable. And so also, so you need a supportive person who you're working for, your peers, and also, which, and I do believe more and more these days, that's the case. And then also you need a supportive partner in life, because I think that's something that just is required. And I'm sure your wife has that, your your daughter. The So it's very difficult to individualize it, but I think each person is different. You just have to, I think it's impossible to do it if you don't have all of those things. And yeah. so to me, that's what you have to look for and judge at what point in your life that you could make that all happen. I totally agree with you. I think a supportive 
organization that can pro provide the flexibility. You are a tremendous boss from the way you sound, being very understanding and very supportive. That's great. And then I think a supportive spouse that is willing and jumps in to help out is really important also. Right. Uh, but talking about the individual, because I'm very keen on personal empowerment, what mm. can individual tell himself or herself when they are in this kind of situation, struggling with work-life balance? With that whole guilt and that side of the equation. I, I, and I don't have children, but I do have a husband and family. And you do suffer from that. Am I not doing enough? Am I putting all my time and effort into work and I'm not doing what I need to do at home? And like I said, I actually believe it peaks and valleys. So there are times, there's time, and I'm sure this is the case with every woman who has children. There are times where you don't put as much time and the kids, I don't know, I wouldn't say second, but are behind what's happening at work. And then there's other times where it's flipped over. I think you just have to find that balance where you can navigate over the period of time as opposed to on a day-to-day -day basis, because I just don't believe it's, there's too many variables involved to say, and that's why I don't like the idea of work-life balance. I like to say work-life integration. I do believe this. As much as you need a supportive work environment, you need to be supportive of yourself. And so this negative self-talk and being hard on yourself, I think probably we're our worst enemies on that particular front. And so try and adopt the same supportive atmosphere you have for yourself. And I think that all ends up working out. That's excellent advice. Thank you for that. Now, I know your study has a number of other findings and you talk about mobility being the number yes. one reason why women aren't able to get ahead. Would you mind to comment on that? Yeah. And this might be a little bit more related to a core than it would be to say Marriott or Hilton because they have more hotels in one destination as, as we tend to have less in North America. It wouldn't be the case in the rest of the world. So if you are a director of food and beverage, a director of rooms or something along that, director of sales and marketing finance and coming up through the ranks, chances are in order to get a promotion, you're going to have to move. And so whether you're a male or female, I find that the younger generation today is not as willing to pull up stakes and move. And now I do find we're promoting people when they're younger, which is actually a good thing in my mind. And people are, there's just a different level of maturity, a different level of today than there was even 10, 15 years ago. So the younger, the better, because sometimes people aren't as encumbered yet with family and that sort of thing. But at the end of the day, people, the mobility side, we could, if you can move from within a brand, that's great. But if you can't move within a brand, you have to move within a city. And that just takes a different type of people who may or may not want to do that. So that's where we have the challenge. That's true. I remember when I was coming up alone, was expected to move everything for me, but it's very difficult for the family, especially when kids are in high school. It's just really difficult. Yes, it's yeah. very difficult, particularly that first year or that last year. Although for children in high school, we try not to move them, but it's right. a it's a reality of our business. Yeah. There were a number of interesting findings in your research, and mm -hmm. if anyone is interested, it's actually on the internet, and yeah. I availed myself to it. One of the other findings that I thought was very important was to try to find mentors and champions in organization that can support your career growth. Can you elaborate on that, please? Yes. So I am a firm believer in mentors. There is no doubt in my mind that my career is moved in the direction it has because of various mentors that I've had in my life. I believe a mentor is someone who sees 
potential in you that you don't necessarily see in yourself just yet. And I think that they can really pull that out of you and move you along. So to me, mentors are very important. And so with that, it has cascaded through the organization. I also am a believer that formal mentor programs are very difficult and don't have a very high success rate. Now we've done them because I think sometimes you just have to try it to, and maybe, I don't know, 25, 50% stick and then 25, 50% don't. At the end of the day, at least you get some that do. But so what I encourage people more than anything is to find someone in your career who you get along with, who you have a, there's an affinity, you have a relationship with that person. And more often than not, they're in a more senior position at that point in time who can guide you, who can help you when you come across situations, when you come across situations with people or with something you don't understand on why happened in an organization and maybe it irritates you. They can often provide just that level of more senior or explanation that really helps you understand it yourself and you don't get yourself into trouble. And so I find that mentor relationship really helps you manage through that and keeps you probably on a bit of a straighter path. But beyond that, I also believe that many times, and we all know this, all of the conversations about succession planning, about who's going to go where, happen when you're not in the room. And so having someone who's your mentor, having someone who has your back while that conversation is happening is incredibly important for your career. People call it networking. I don't call it networking. I actually believe you have to have a bit more of a solid relationship than networking in order for that to actually have that mentorship relationship and really move it forward. I also believe, for anyone who's listening to this at some point in time, it's really important that you own that relationship. It's not the senior person's job. It's the person coming up through the ranks. And everyone thinks we're all so busy. I'm sure you're in the same boat. Oh, you're, I know you're really busy. I know you're really busy. Of course, we're really busy. But at the end of the day, we make time for what's important. And I believe mentoring is important. And so that 15 minutes, that half hour chat with somebody, whether it's on the phone or face to face or over coffee, whatever, those are those are really important moments in my day. And so I think putting yourself in as a person who wants to be mentored, putting yourself out there, taking the risk of emailing that person and asking for their time. If they're the right person, they have time. So to me, that's really important to um, I think our businesses can't survive without that mentor mentee relationships. Because that's how we also understand who's out there and what the talent is. I agree with you on that as well. I remember I always made time for someone who would send me a note or calls me and ask for advice. I always make time for that. But it's not only a desire to pay it forward, but it's also just a desire to help people. Innately, I think we all want to help people and support sure. people. So I think for those of us who are still trying to climb up uh, this ladder, just taking the initiative and approaching whoever your boss is or your other leadership might be and asking for help and asking for advice would be a very good thing, a very smart thing to do. Yeah. And I also find that just before we move on to that one, it also helps me. And I'm sure you've had the same situation where it's reverse mentoring, I call it. I think that's maybe the formal name for it or not. I'm not sure. But I learn sometimes as much as they learn because they give me their perspective or how they're thinking about things very differently than I probably would have at that point in time. So I find it very insightful as well to get a better pulse for things. So to me, it's a two-way street. Yeah, I agree with you. It's fulfilling in multiple ways. Exactly. God knows sometimes we don't think like millennials. No. That's wonderful. Related to finding mentors and champions is building networks because as your study found out, women tend to be team players. We're not 
really good advocates for ourselves. Would you mind a comment on that? Yeah, it's very interesting. I'll just say a little thing about this, my little commercial on it. I honestly, when it comes to women and management and men in management, I often feel like we somehow downplay women that we don't have what it takes or something. But I believe women are just as smart. Women are just as courageous. Women are just as have the same ability to be leaders as men do. But I also want to make sure that we keep men going on that same vein. So we have to keep it fair and equitable on both sides of that equation. However, I do also believe that women and men have different traits, and that's just a reality of the way things are. And one of the traits that women have is we're a big team people. And and not all women, but a lot of women will say the team did this and the team did that, and they're uncomfortable saying, I led the team, or the team under my guidance did the following, whereas men are are really not uncomfortable to do that. And so men are better self-promoters than women are, and that's just a reality. So helping women become more comfortable doing self-promotion is very important in my mind because it's owning it. And then on the other hand, it's just get out of your own way and help yourself and tell people what you're doing. You don't have to run around the countryside telling people what you're doing, but in various situations, make sure people are aware that you are the leader, that you were a key member of the team, whatever it might be, and what you brought to the table. But it's just... um, it's not innate for all women and it just has to, you have to make the extra effort. It's almost like some people are good at public speaking and some aren't and you have to make the effort to become better. It's the exact same thing in my mind with this whole idea of taking, not necessarily taking credit where it's not deserved. Let's not go there, but this is about taking credit when it is deserved. Yeah, I totally get it. I think sometimes we don't want to be boastful and therefore we don't advocate for ourselves and we start change ourselves that way. Yeah. Yes, we, we could be farther ahead if, if we knew how to do that properly. But being a team player is also a very good trait. I actually always look for that in leadership as leadership mm-hmm. quality. And there's nothing wrong with that. And that leads into the discussion about building networks. I, and I think building networks is really important. Finding people that would champion for you and that would be yes. supportive of you, that would help you along the way is really important. How did you do that through your career? And I was, uh, and probably all part of this focus and loving to learn things. I actually had the ability throughout my career to be on a lot of committees. And so in my early years of my career, and I always tell people this because it's the easiest, most comfortable way for women to do this, I think. But in the earlier days of my career, I was on internal committees. So whether it was believe it or not, back in the days when we were thinking about revenue management, but whether it was about, okay, we need to consider revenue management and what does that look like and what does that mean to sales and what does it mean to the front office, all the things that are of second nature now. But back in the day, so starting with that level, and then we did all sorts of different task force throughout the organization. But I began to know a lot of people in different hotels. I began to know a lot of people at corporate office. And you can build relationships with these people. Technically speaking, you're networking. And then as my career progressed, very strongly believe in this. In fact, this is how you and I met, that you need to get out there and do outside your organization committee. So whether it be AHNLA, whether it be your city tourism bureau, your state or your province, whatever it might be, really getting involved in the community and giving back to the hospitality industry, which I find is also positive from that. But I also think it's really important to network and get to know the people who are outside of your business. And those are easy ways to do it without those people who don't like to walk into receptions and network. Because when people hear networking, they think big rooms, I have to go say hello to people. It's There are different ways to do that, that particularly for women that might be more comfortable. And I think being on committees and participating, volunteer work, all are comfortable ways to do it and very effective. 
I agree with you. And we should all be volunteering to serve on committees and get involved mm-hmm. that way and meet people. I think it's important. All right. As we are coming to the end, I'd like mm-hmm. to see if there's one more piece of advice that you can share with us. It's something I touched upon earlier, but uh, for me, if there is one thing I would say for all men and women, really, but particularly for women is one, be curious. And when I say be curious, you don't, you never know everything. So really talk to people, understand what they're all about. So be curious. And then the second piece of that is listen with the intent to understand, not reply. It's such a simple statement, but it's so important. And we're all thinking about what we're going to say back, but just listen to what's being said to you. And your reply might be very different than what you were thinking at the beginning of it. And so those would be my two things, which are co-related, but be curious and listen with the intent to understand. That's outstanding. I've always talked about listening with intent to understand. It's the seven habits to understand. I think it's just vitally important in everything that we do. And being curious, intellectually curious, is also really important. That's how we brought our horizon and perspective. That's important. Yeah. Uh, I've t- heard you talk about walking the talk. Right. In the context of DEI, would you mind to share your thoughts on it? Yeah. I, and in fact, I've talked about this a few times. To me, walk the talk, don't just talk about things, actually do something about it. And so one of the things that I think is a really easy way, because I think when you think about DEI in particular, so You've got diversity, which I 100% believe that your senior leadership, your board, your whatever should include a representation of your customer and your hardest or your or your colleague group. So I think that's really important. I think that the equity, it goes without saying that everybody should be equally paid and have equity. And the hardest part about DEI is inclusion. And this really goes to your point that I ask all men and women to do is people are sitting around the table now. So we've done the diversity, we paid them equal. So we've got the equity. Now make sure women are included in the conversation or any underrepresented group are included in the conversation because they're at the table, but they may not be comfortable. And so to me, in order to make this whole circle work, we have to make sure we hear from them. So take the time to look for that person at the table who's not speaking and seek out their opinion. So I think it's really important that the inclusion piece, and frankly, so that's my personal belief, but I also fundamentally believe you can't talk about it unless you're doing something about it. So get active. There's ways to support. It goes back to my volunteer side of the equation. Get involved, whether it be in Forward with AHNLA, get involved in your local PI committees that are in all of your hotels and brands. It Just get involved so that you are actually being a positive participant. Well said. And I like what you said about inclusion. It's more than just having the physical presence of someone, but it's actually including their opinions. Correct. And take the Very time well to said. pull it out. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. Very well said. Heather McCrory, the CEO of Core Hotels, North and Central America. Thank you very much for your time this morning. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Have a great day. I appreciate our audience for tuning in today. If you enjoyed this show, please visit us on our website, deiadvisors.org. We hope to see you there. Thanks again.